You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, which is being dropped on the 26th day of March 2021, the last Friday before the regular season of baseball, we're going to do our season preview of the American League West with all the hosts of the Locked On MLB teams from the AL West. That makes sense to me. This show is available on the radio.com app and everywhere where you get your podcasts. And during these interesting times, be sure to tell your smart device to play podcasts, Locked On MLB, or check out some of the other great shows of the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Astros with Eric Heisman and H-Town Wheelhouse, who will be the first ones up. You can follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and follow the show at Locked On MLB Pod. So, yep, we're going to be doing the last of the American League previews. We've done the AL East, the AL Central. It's time for the AL West. Leading off, the hosts of Locked On Astros, Eric Heisman and H-Town Wheelhouse. This is Eric Heisman. And this is H-Town Wheelhouse. And we are the Locked On Astros podcast, and we're going to answer some questions about the 2021 Houston Astros, starting off with the biggest storyline about the Astros going into the season. Brett, why don't you get us started? Yes, I think a storyline is tough to nail down, but definitely George Springer being out of this lineup is a huge part. Is Correa going to be signed to an extension but the biggest storyline is with a starting five rotation that doesn't have all of their key players there in the mix. Can they withstand 162 game season and the young arms in the bullpen? How will they hold up? I know that uh, if you're looking at what's going on from Valdez, uh, can he bounce back from his finger issues? And also Jake Odorizzi, I know he was brought in to be that veteran guy, but can he pitch more than the traditional five innings that he's his career says that guy he is? So there's a lot of question marks and you have to look at the offense. So there's a lot to kind of look at, but this team does have some uh, positive benefits. So uh, let's go and take a look at the biggest offseason addition. And I'm going to go ahead and cheat a little bit and say that I know it's technically not an addition. It's uh, this is guy was on our team last year, but I'm going to go ahead, ahead and say it's Michael Brandley. I think the Astros after losing George Bringer, they needed to add somebody to this lineup and that had to be Michael Brantley. And he brings something to this lineup that not too many people can do, especially from the left, left side. He's a veteran guy. He has a, he doesn't strike out a lot. He can get that big RBI from you for you. And he can also hit that big homer. He's not a big home run guy, but he can get that home run when you need it. Yeah, that's true. And I just think he is key to this, to the success of this team. Now, Eric, I'm going to tell you the best case scenario for me and how this team will achieve it. I believe the best case scenario is a world series appearance and Hey, here's how they're going to do it. Pitching has to hold up. Their starters have to go longer than four or five innings. The young relievers have to do their job in the core four, who I call Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and Brantley have to hit at or above expectations with the addition of Tucker and Alvarez doing the same thing. Those six players 
knock the cover off the ball, hit for high averages, high OPS, and you have a recipe for success in another World Series appearance. Yes, last year I know that Jose Altuve kind of dealt with a lot. He dealt with a death in the family uh, due to the whole COVID crisis. And I know a lot of people did, but it really hit him, especially with everything that was going off the field with the scandal. So him returning back to the lineup is very key to the Astros, especially it seems like Dusty Baker's leaning towards him being the leadoff guy. Uh, it seems kind of that's where it's uh, if we're looking at spring training lineup. So him returning back to form, Alex Bregman kind of returning back to form and uh, definitely Carlos Cray being that the guy the Astros need and him actually signing contract. That's something that uh, we need to also kind of talk about as that's kind of the off offseason um, thing to look at, too. So the uh, worst the worst case scenario, I guess, would be for the Astros to have all these things go wrong. And that would be the pitching to not really live up to what we expect. And what happens if Jose Altuve, he is what he is now. What if Bregman is not the same player he was uh, a couple of years ago? And there's a lot of question marks that are going into it. What if Jordan... Jordan Alvarez's knees are not quite healed. What if he's not the same pit guy he was? What if uh, Odorizzi is not the same pitcher he was a few years ago? There are a lot of question marks about this team. But if this team can put it all together, they can easily win the AL West. Yeah, you know, and I think there is, I think there's a young player on this team, Eric, that can become a household name that isn't already. And if you're a scout or if you're a GM, you know this guy. His name is Kyle Tucker, and he came into camp as a starter, as having right field as his position. Kyle Tucker is going to come in. He's going to play at an MVP caliber, all-star caliber type of um, level, and he will become a household name. People won't just know Altuve, Bregman, Correa, Alvarez. They will know Kyle Tucker, and he will be a part, and Brantley, and be a big part of this team going forward. I think half baseball knows who Kyle Tucker is because all those years that uh, everybody tried to make a trade with the Astros and Jeff Blum said, no, you can't have Kyle Tucker. You can't have Forrest Whitley. Well, everybody uh, now knows who Kyle Tucker is. And so we'll see, have to see. I think he's going to be um, probably at the top of the home run list because he's added some muscle this year and he's added some, he's already has a quick bat. So adding some muscle is just going to make it better. So uh, let's go and look at the predictions for how the seasons will end. That includes like win totals and where they finish in division and uh, playoff advancement. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tamp down my expectations for wins where I had them between 95 and 97 wins. I'm going to pick them at 91 wins winning the division over the Oakland Athletics, um, winning in the ALDS, making it to the ALCS. And I'm stopping there because I don't know where this pitching is going to be come playoff time. Now, I do believe they have it in them to make a deep playoff run, but I think that they will make it to the to their fifth ALCS in a row. I think I've been Debbie Downer this whole time, and now you're saying they're not going to make it to the World Series? Come on, Brett. I mean, I, I think that they're going to definitely make it to the World Series. I think the NL talent is pretty tough this year. I think uh, there's been a shift to the NL this year. Uh, that, that's not just uh, – I know that George Springer went to the – AL East, but a lot of the pitching talent, a lot of the talent in general has gone to the NL. So a lot of the power teams are over there. So the talent is definitely over there. 
getting to the World Series is not going to be as tough. But like I said, it's going to be a lot of things have to go right for Houston Astros. They're going to have to go through the Yankees. The Yankees have a pretty decent team. They don't have the same dominating team that they've had in past. And uh, but a lot of things have to go to right. And the Astros do not have the ability to make that big splash. That's a trade deadline like they used to. Yeah, there there is as much of an evil and even playing field as there has ever been in the AL. That's why I put in the ALCS. I don't know if the White Sox get hot. I don't know if the Twins get hot. I don't know. So let's just say ALCS, and I want to be wrong and have them go to the World Series. And don't forget to check us out after every Astros game on the Locked On Astros podcast, and go Astros. If you're looking for fantasy value on the Houston Astros, check out starting pitcher Lance McCullers. Health has been the main issue for the 27-year-old who has yet to throw 130 innings in a major league season. But McCullers stayed healthy last season and still has the stuff to be effective and even overpowering at times. That does not mean to ignore his past injuries, but it does mean there will come a time to evaluate the risk, and it will make sense to take a shot on McCullers because he has a high ceiling, and that could make a difference this season. On the other hand, maybe beware of first baseman Yuli Gurriel. It's not as though expectations are super high for Gurriel, but he hit 232 with a 658 OPS last season. And while that's in a shortened season, he's also 36. It's not easy to trust that he will just rebound seamlessly. Now, everyone seems to be picking the Astros. I'm leaning towards the A's for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. They are the defending division champs. Jason Burke of Locked On A's is here to talk about them. How's it going, baseball fans? It is Jason Burke of Locked On A's here to talk about the Oakland A's here for just a minute. Uh, got a lot to get to, so let's get right into it. The A's let a lot of key pieces walk during the offseason, so the biggest storyline heading into the season is whether or not the moves the A's front office made in February will be enough to keep them in contention for the AL West title. Uh, they, they lost Marcus Simeon. They lost Liam Hendricks. They lost a few other guys. Those are the main two. They lost a few other guys. They brought in Elvis Andrews to take over at shortstop. They brought in Trevor Rose. Rosenthal to come in and close games. Uh, they also made a bunch of other moves, but those are going to be the two that people are pointing to to see uh, whether or not the A's are good enough to win the AL West. On paper, they look just as good, if not better talent-wise than they were last season, but they're going to have to play a full 162 games too. So depth is going to matter a whole lot more in 2021 than it did last year. But speaking of Trevor Rosenthal, I think that he was the biggest addition that the A's made this winter. And that's because the day that he signed A's fans on Twitter uh, seemed to breathe a sigh of relief. Like, okay, maybe they got a shot at being just as good as last year. If not potentially better, he's a wild card for sure. But up until they signed him, it felt like they were just going with, eh, we'll see what happens in 2021. But the day that Rosenthal signed uh, on paper, the A's found their replacement for Liam Hendricks. And Hendricks was arguably the best reliever in baseball over the past couple of seasons. So getting that kind of production is no small ask. Rosenthal's stat line from 2020 was comparable to Liam's, however. So there is hope that he's going to be a success. And at the same time, we're banking on Rosenthal's 2020 stats, which included a 190 ERA and walks per nine of three. Uh, A's fans are banking on that 24-inning sample right now because in 2019, his stats were not nearly as good coming off of Tommy John. He walked 26 batters in 15 innings so uh yeah we're hoping for the best case scenario which i mean 
if we're talking best case scenario, it's because Rosenthal is pitching like it's 2020 and the A's have an anchor in the ninth that they can rely on, which allows Jake Diekman to be a situational lefty. And that keeps Sergio Romo in the seventh inning or maybe even earlier if uh, they want to bring J.B. Wendelkin into the later inning roles as well. So they've got a lot of depth in the bullpen. It's going to be how much are they going to have to rely on that? Who's going to slot where? And how much are they going to have to rely on that depth that they have in the minor leagues uh, to get them through the full 162 game season after playing just 60 games last year? Are arms going to be healthy enough to do that? Uh, the other keys for the bright spots would be a uh, how, how's Matt Olson going to bounce back? So far in spring training, he's looking great. So I think that he's going to be uh, just fine. But how is he going to bounce back in 2021? And also, how good is Matt Chapman feeling? He says he's feeling pretty good. Uh, he's looking good in the field. He's hitting fairly well in spring training. Uh, how, how much is that hip holding up? If it's holding up just fine, the A's are going to be doing just fine as well. And the biggest factor for the A's to be successful... Could be Elvis Andrews, though, and I'm not expecting a whole bunch from him offensively. If he is league average, I think that that is a win for the A's at shortstop. I just need him to be league average, and I know that they said don't mention injuries, but I'm I'm mentioning injuries because if Elvis Andrews goes down, then all of a sudden a lot of different pieces are pushed into the, filling that void. But if Andrews can give you 130 games, I think that the A's will be doing just fine because they're not going to have to push Nick Allen over there, uh, their, their prospect Nick Allen, to go over there. His bat's not quite ready yet. Utility man Chad Pender would also be an option to fill in there, but I think that the A's like him a lot roaming around everywhere. So if Elvis Andrews got hurt, that would really hurt the team's depth moving forward in 2021, uh, depending on when it happened. Uh, if it's later in the season, maybe Nick Allen has developed by then. But Elvis Andrews, I think staying healthy is a big uh, factor in the A's doing well in 2021. And if all these things come together, I think that the A's will be looking at their second straight AL West title. And hopefully with an upgrade or two at the trade deadline, they can also make a deep playoff run. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, we've got to talk about worst case scenarios too. And on the flip side of everything that I just said, if Rosenthal can't find a plate, if Chapman keeps landing on the IL and Andrews isn't able to play something like 130 games, then the A's could be in some real trouble. They have a decent amount of depth, but it's lacking in certain areas like shortstop, but also shut down ninth inning reliever. They don't have somebody, they have Sergio Romo who is pitched in the ninth, but they don't have that guy who can shut the door and throw gas. Sergio Romo is more of a, if you're familiar with Sergio Romo, he throws sliders. That's what he throws. That's all that he throws. And that's what he does well. Um, and I don't know that the A's necessarily want to trust Sergio Romo to be their closer in the year 2021. Can he fill it in a pinch? Sure, of course he can. But do you want him to be the full-time closer? Not necessarily, no. So if the season falls apart, they're likely going to finish below the Astros and the Angels, which would be very disappointing. Um, and possibly behind the up-and-coming Mariners, depending on how badly things fall apart. So uh, those are the things where if things start cracking, uh, you're looking for... Rosenthal not finding the play, Chapman on the IL, and Andrews on the IL too. Um, obviously, injuries are going to play a factor. I, I'm sorry uh, for to the locked on bosses. I had to mention injuries because that's how this thing falls apart. But moving on to a happier note, who is one player that I think could break out, whether it's a prospect or somebody that's not a household name? Who are people going to be talking about by season's end? And uh, I'm going a, a slightly different direction with this one. Most fans know of AJ Puck by now, but injuries have derailed his development. So he's not talked about in the same uh, realm as Jesus Lazardo. He hasn't had that chance to develop. 
primarily because of injuries, but Puck is saying that he's feeling good right now, and it's being reported that he's carrying himself differently and throwing like he means it after clearing some of the bone chips out of his elbow. So I think that 2021 is the season that we stop penciling it, Puck's name into the roster and start using a Sharpie. This is the season he changes fans' mindset around him, and him being healthy could play a huge role in how far the A's can go in 2021. Um, but before I get out of here, I got to give you some of my best predictions for how the season's going to go here. Um, I think that with a rejuvenated AJ Puck and another year of development from Luzardo, I think that this team is playoff bound after a 93 win season that is good enough to win them their second straight AL West crown. Uh, the AL West, not a great division this year, so uh, the A's got some help <laughs> from the baseball gods. Uh, I also think that this year will be treated a little bit like the 2014 season from the front office standpoint at the trade deadline, where the front office is going to bring in pieces that are meant to aid a deep playoff run. Uh, it didn't work out back then. They traded you on but as I'm not talking about that right now, we're getting you excited for 2021. And I think that there are a lot of good pending free agents that could be on the trade block at the trade deadline that could help the A's dramatically and give them that postseason push. So that's all I got for you guys today. Make sure to subscribe to the Locked On A's podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts and follow the show at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. So until next time, celebrate good times, A's fans, and I'll talk at you soon. If you're looking for fantasy value on the Oakland A's, have a look at center fielder Ramon Laureano, who had a tough 2020 season after he showed some five-tool potential in 2019. Laureano has the ability to hit for power, average, and steal bases. It made him really valuable, but then he hit 213 last season and the expectations have naturally dropped. But it's worth finding out if the 26-year-old can get back on track. On the other hand, be cautious with starting pitcher Chris Bassett, who was the surprising ace of the A's staff last season. He had a 2.29 ERA, 1.16 whip, and those numbers are not likely to stick for a full season. He may be worth a late-round selection to round out your fantasy pitching staff, but don't get seduced by Bassett's performance in 11 starts last season. Go to bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but we got the NBA, we got March Madness, we got the NHL. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is your online sportsbook expert. Promo code LOCKEDON. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you with the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Angels have the best player in baseball, but do they have a shot at the playoffs? Let's listen to Brent McGuire of Locked On Angels. Question number one. What is the biggest storyline around your team going into the season? I think this one is fairly obvious. It's getting the Angels back to the playoffs, getting Mike Trout back to the playoffs. I, for one, am sick and tired of talking about it. I'm sure that Mike Trout is sick and tired of talking about it. I'm sure the organization is sick and tired of talking about it. It's time for this team to take a step forward. They have finished below 500 for the past five seasons haven't made the playoffs since 2014, haven't won a playoff game since the year that Mike Trout was drafted. So that is absolutely the clear-cut biggest storyline for the Angels this season. And I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that Shohei Otani is looking like he's going to be fully healthy 
for the first time since he came over to the Angels, and he's absolutely going to be a must-watch guy on a day-to-day basis this year and is going to play a pivotal role in how far the Angels can go this year. Question number two, who was the biggest offseason addition for your team and how would they affect the team's on-field success? This is a much more difficult answer than I'm used to answering being an Angels fan. This is an organization that's always making the big splash, whether it's recently signing Anthony Rendon or Shohei Otani, or within the last decade or so, Albert Pujols, CJ Wilson, Josh Hamilton. The Angels made no such moves over this past offseason. They made a lot of investments into one-year guys on short-term deals, and it's hard to say which guy might make the biggest impact, but since I do have to answer the question, I'm going to go with Jose Quintana. I think there's a good chance that this guy is pitching 150 plus innings for the Angels and quality innings. If you followed baseball at all, you know that's been a huge kryptonite for the Angels. They've lacked the innings. They've lacked the quality. And I think Quintana is going to go a long way in helping stabilize the rotation a little bit. Question number three, what is the best case scenario and how will it be achieved? Like I said in the first question, it's getting the Angels back to the playoffs, but how are they going to do so? Well, you need the pitching to be at least league average or better. That is all the Angels need with the position players they have. So you're looking at the starters staying healthy. You're talking about Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb, Griffin Canning, and Shohei Otani all staying relatively healthy this year. And some of the depth guys coming in to fill the spots when needed. We're talking about Shohei Otani staying fully healthy, like I just mentioned before, doing the two-way thing, giving the Angels high-level production both at the plate and on the mound. And if we're looking for even bigger steps for the Angels to maintain this kind of success over the long haul, we're talking about youngsters like Griffin Canning, Patrick Sandoval taking a step forward. We're talking about some of the young prospects in Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh making it up to the majors, filling in roles in the corner outfield, and helping set up a core that can win year in and year out because it's not just about getting the Angels back to the playoffs this one year. It's about building something that is sustainable in the long term and helps get the Angels back to the playoffs on a year-to-year basis. Question number four, what is the worst case scenario and how will it be achieved? The question does say to not say injuries. That has been a big issue for the Angels over the last five or six years, but I will say the obvious answer is pitching. The Angels have had the worst pitching staff in baseball dating back to 2016 by both innings and Fangraph's wins above replacement. It's the same thing over the last couple of seasons. For a team that has Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, players of that caliber, it's inexcusable that they haven't had the type of pitching to at least be competent, and that's not something the club has reached recently. But if they have a repeat performance of 2020 or 2019 where their starters had an ERA over five, the Angels are not going to make it back to the playoffs. They might finish under 500 again. So for the Angels to avoid this worst-case scenario, they need the pitching to be something close to league average this year and not towards Question number five, who is one young player or prospect who stands a chance of becoming a household name by season's end? This one's pretty easy for me. It's Joe Adele. I know, I know. He struggled mightily when he came up to the majors last year. I've talked about it plenty. He was not ready. He did not have the minor league time at AAA to work on some things, and it was a disaster 
at the major league level. He's almost certainly bound to start the year in the minors. But if he gets his things right, the skill set and the tools are through the roof. He's got power. He's got speed. He has the tools and the IQ to make it work as a legitimately good major leaguer. My expectation is he's going to spend a good chunk of the season in the minors at AAA. I would expect that he's going to get a call up at some point in June or July and take over the full-time duties as a left fielder or right fielder for the Angels and become the 30-plus home run threat that the Angels have been expecting since they drafted him in the first round a couple of years ago. Final question, your best predictions on how the season is going to end based on win totals, place in the division standings, and playoff advancement. I wish I could be a little more optimistic about where this Angels team is going to end. I've been bitten in the butt far too many times before this, and I'm still concerned about the pitching. I will say I'm more confident right now than I was a couple of weeks ago based on what I've seen from Shohei Otani as a two-way player, but I'm still projecting them for roughly 84 wins, finishing second or third in the division, and not making the playoffs. Now, there is a wide range of variants for this club. There are a lot of things that could go right. You see the talent. You see the potential. This is a team led by Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. That's a great start for any team. But we've also seen the reverse of that. We've seen bad pitching tank this team before, and we could see them finish below 500. I'm going to take the safe bet, go right in the middle for 84 wins, finishing second or third in the division, and missing out on the playoffs. If you're looking for fantasy value with the Los Angeles Angels, take a look at designated hitter Shohei Otani. Otani's pitching went awry almost immediately last season. Then he struggled at the plate, hitting 190 with a 657 OPS. But considering his performance through his first two seasons, expectations should be higher for Otani. And his 2020 numbers might make it a little easier to get him in a value slot on draft day. On the other hand, beware shortstop Jose Iglesias, who hit 373 and had 17 doubles last season in 150 plate appearances. That's not who he is at the plate. Prior to last season, Glacius hit a soft 273 for his career with little power, few stolen bases. So don't put a whole lot of stock into 39 games in 2020. My new kind of adopted team of the Mariners who are on a playoff drought unlike any we've ever seen. DC Lundberg of Locked On Mariners has the lowdown. Hey gang, this is DC Lundberg, host of Locked On Mariners, here to talk about the 2021 M's. The biggest storyline surrounding the Mariners is the same as it's been the last couple seasons. The development of the young players the M's will be counting on to produce in the near future. The rebuild project is starting to come to completion, but this is still a development year. J.P. Crawford is one to keep an eye on. In 2019, he started off pretty well, but faded big time in the second half. The Mariners wanted him to bulk up and get stronger so he could handle a full season. And last year was supposed to be that test, but that obviously did not happen. This season is going to be that test. And if he cannot sustain his production throughout a full season, the Mariners might want to look elsewhere at shortstop. Evan White is also someone to keep an eye on, as for all intents and purposes, he had a very bad 2020. While he did play gold glove defense, the offense just has not developed up to Major League standards yet. He's looked better this spring than he did last year. 
But if he struggles again like he did in 2020, don't be surprised to see him back at AAA Tacoma. There are other young players whose, whose development should be monitored as well, including, including Dylan Moore, Shed Long Jr., Jared Kelnick, Taylor Trammell, and a number of young pitchers. The young bats are ahead of the young arms for the most part, although Justice Sheffield had a very solid 2020 and is firmly ensconced as a number three starter. While the front end of the rotation is very solid, the back end is shaky. Yusei Kikuchi is the number four starter, and while the M's like him, I just don't see it. He gave up far too many home runs in 2019 and walked way too many hitters last year. The M's are going with a six-man rotation and the final two spots are still up for grabs at the time of this recording. Candidates are Chris Flexen, Justin Dunn, Nick Margevichis, and LJ Newsom. Yes, that was a very long answer, but there are so many different young players to monitor who are still de- who are still developing, who are going to be counted on pretty soon to play key roles. The biggest off-season addition. While the James Paxton signing was certainly the most hyped, I think the Keenan Middleton signing may have had more of an impact, or or will have more of an impact, pardon me. The bullpen was worse than the starting rotation was last year, and Paxton was only signed to a one-year contract. I don't know if the M's will resign him for 2022. Middleton did pitch poorly for the Angels in 2020, but he is aware of the issues that he had and knows what he needs to do to be more successful. He felt as if he was too reliant on his fastball last year and is making more of an effort to mix his pitches better so he's not so reliant on that fastball. Middleton is also still fairly young, and if he has a good season, and I think he will, I hope the Mariners will make a real effort to sign him to a multi-year extension. He could be a key contributor in that bullpen for a few years to come when the Mariners' window of opportunity for success finally opens. The best case scenario for the Mariners has more to do with how individual players develop and perform this year so they can be part of the M's future, as I keep talking about. J.P. Crawford I've already mentioned. Hopefully he can sustain his production throughout an entire season and also cut down on his concentration lapses in the field, which have led to some lackadaisical throwing errors. He's been working on that since he got to Seattle. Evan White has looked better this spring than he did last year, where he just looked overmatched most of the time. Keenan Middleton, I mentioned, and there are a lot of others. The worst case scenario is that the development of the youngsters stalls. Kyle Lewis performs like he did in the second half of last season. Evan White strikes out 800 times again. Just as Sheffield regresses, J.P. Crawford proves he cannot play a full season. And the free agent arms the M's acquired all perform like the bullpen did last year. The M's are all about development for the near future at this point. And if the youngsters regress or plateau, then they've got real problems. I'll read the next question verbatim. Quote, who is one young player or prospect who stands a chance of becoming a household name by season's end? End quote. We're talking about the Mariners. This is a team full of young players who were all trying to make names for themselves. Last year, Kyle Lewis accomplished that. And this year, I think Jared Kelnick has a chance to do that very same thing. There's still a battle going on for the left field starting job, and Kelnick and Taylor Trammell seem to be the front runners. 
Both are having good springs, but Kelnick missed about a week and a half with a grade 2 adductor strain. However, he returned ahead of schedule, and based on the reports that I've seen, he scarcely missed a beat. Either one of these gentlemen has a chance to take the starting left field job and absolutely run with it, and either could be a potential rookie of the year but I like Kelnick's bat-to-ball skills a little bit better, and he has more of a minor league track record. I think he could be a potential 295-310 to hitter. Not this year, of course. I'm talking about somewhere down the line. As for how I think this team will finish, eh, this is a 500 team at best. They have a chance to compile a win total in the mid-80s, if they put it all together earlier than I think they will, but I see them finishing with a win total somewhere between 79 and 82, and like most young teams, I think they're going to be pretty streaky. This has been DC Lundberg talking about the 2021 Seattle Mariners. Now back to Bob Barker and the Showcase Showdown. If you're looking for fantasy value on the Seattle Mariners, check out second baseman Ty France. Don't go overboard just because France hit 305 with an 836 OPS in 155 plate appearances last season, but consider that as a 26-year-old looking at regular playing time in Seattle, he does have a chance for a breakthrough season in 2021. And really, anyone that can hit at all while playing second base is going to have value. On the other hand, the value isn't great for third baseman Kyle Seeger, 33-year-old who kind of is what he is at this point in his career. Last season, he was on pace for a ninth straight season with more than 20 home runs, but he also hit below 250 for the fourth straight season. That makes him either a deep league or waiver wire option. It's time to talk Built Bars. We've been talking a lot about Built Bars. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market right now. It's an incredible low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is, let's check it out. It is, oh, it's Cookie Dough Chunk versus Birthday Cake. Now, what are the two things you're going to eat all the time if you need to have some good, solid comfort food? Cookie Dough? What about a birthday cake? It's tough to have an impromptu birthday cake, but that's the beauty of a Built Bar. I said, yeah, I feel like birthday cake. Normally, you got to go to a bakery or get some Duncan Hines and sort of make something your own. Now you can reach in and grab a birthday cake. Do you know what? That may have my vote on this. Go to BuiltBar.com or go to Bar underscore Built at Twitter. Remember to use promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. Lockdown MLB Division Preview Series continues on Lockdown MLB Today. Every episode from now until the 31st features in-depth looks at each team in every division. It's all on the Locked On MLB podcast feed right now. Follow Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. We got one more for the West. It's Bryce Patrick, the host of Locked On Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers, here to preview the biggest storylines, everything you need to know about the Texas Rangers. So, the biggest storyline for the Texas Rangers this season, it is all around Joey Gal. This team is going to be absolutely terrible, but the one 
truly great player on this team is Joey Gallo. He had basically one half season of being phenomenal. He was an all-star, made his first all-star team in 2019. Last year had the worst professional season of his career, looked absolutely terrible, completely outmatched. This year he looks fantastic in spring training, is already hitting the cover off the ball, looks very locked in and mentally in a much better place. So the entire season revolves around him. Everything kind of revolves around him. This is his last year of his contract. So the question is, are the Rangers going to try and extend him? Can he rebuild his value or will the Rangers trade him at midseason and see what they can get for him and go even more fully into the rebuild. This team is going to be quite terrible this season, but their biggest offseason acquisition is David Dahl, a left fielder who was an all-star a few years ago back for the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies basically just cut ties with him because I don't really know why, but you always got to profit off the Colorado Rockies misery and badness and incompetency if you can, and the Rangers most definitely did that. I think he will affect this team's success in a moderate way as much as you can on a very, very bad team. He should be a part of this team moving forward. He's still not 30 yet, so he's got a lot of good years left. Um, and the Rangers were very smart to pick him up. I don't know why any of the other team didn't, probably because they didn't have quite as much room as the Rangers did. But David Dahl should be a solid pickup for the Rangers, assuming that he can stay healthy, which is a big assumption. He's always struggled with that in his career. But the best-case scenario for this team, there really isn't a good scenario for this team. Their roster is full of a bunch of question marks. Chris Davis is going to have a roster spot to open the season. Um, he was a big trade acquisition. Ellis Sanders is no longer there. Isaiah Conner-Falefa is going to be playing shortstop. The best case scenario around is surrounding Willie Calhoun, finding a consistent stroke, getting healthy, staying healthy. He's not even going to be on the roster to start the season because he's injured. Ronald Guzman, if he can find what form he found in the Dominican League when he won a Dominican League MVP this winter and the incredible form he's in this spring. If he can find that and keep that, and Nate Lowe can also find some great offense. The Rangers believed in him when they trade for him this offseason. If they can both coexist and do well, then that's going to make this team so much better for the future. But this isn't going to be in the tank. That's just kind of where they are. doesn't matter. What happens? You're just looking for one of your young starters in your rotation, um, Mike Fultinevich, who's not a young starter, but they're hoping to rebuild some value with him, maybe flip him at the deadline, get a middling tier prospect, um, and just get some of their young guys in their rotation to look like solid major league caliber starters. That's what they need. They need very badly to have some semblance of a pitching rotation because last year it was bad. This year they don't even have Lance Lynn, so it's going to be even worse. The worst case scenario, I mean, record-wise, it's going to be bad no matter what, but the worst case is that Joey Gallo looks terrible. Their young players don't make a step, even take a step back. Um, Leo Tavares made a very solid first year in the big leagues, just a few, I think 30 games last season. Nick Solak, if he continues to struggle offensively, if this park looks like it's continuing to struggle um, for hitters, be a huge struggle for the Rangers hitters. It wasn't a problem for the Dodgers hitters, but the Rangers are not the same caliber offense as the Dodgers, nor is nearly anybody else besides maybe the Padres. But this team is going to struggle. The worst case scenario is people getting hurt and the young guns not taking a step forward, taking a step back. That would be hugely detrimental to this team who is hoping to rebuild. This is going to be at least a two- or three-year rebuild, and it's going to be rough for quite a while. Um, one young player who I think stands a chance of becoming a household name is Leody Tavares. He was among the best defensive players in baseball last season. Only played half a season, was still in top 10 in defensive war in center field. He is absolutely elite at defense. He is quick. He makes excellent reads. He's got a big arm and it's accurate. He knows exactly how to play center field. Honestly, he was one of the best defensive players in all of baseball. 
and he was still um, just 21 last season. This year, the big question is offense. He's got the ability to get on base. He can kind of hit for average, uh, but the minor league season being postponed for a month is really going to hurt him. I would have loved to see him be in AAA, get another month there, because even though he came up and performed admirably, he does have a much higher ceiling than what he showed last year. It's all going to come down to the power numbers. The power numbers were fine, but the hitting for average and the on-base were a little lower than I would have liked to see in it for a young player who has shown the capability to have a high on-base and a high average. So I would have loved to see him to start the season in AAA and the Rangers begin opening day with Delano Shields as their starting center fielder. But it's looking like the Rangers want to get him some reps in real games as quickly as possible, which makes all the sense in the world. But at very least, he's going to be a major league average player, even if he hits terribly, which I don't think he will for his career. I think he will improve that this year, even if he doesn't hit for much power at all, which he's got the capability of doing so. He's a switch hitter. He's got a good eye. Um, and he plays phenomenal defense in the outfield. So he's going to be part of the Rangers plan for years to come. But he's a name that you absolutely need to know. That's Leody Tavares in center field. Hopefully Nick Sola can get there. But after a struggling season last year for the power numbers, as a guy who is primarily offense, you really need him to find his stroke um, in order to have some hope in this team's ability to actually rebuild and become contenders within the next three to five years. But my predictions for how the season will end. Win total, I think the Rangers win right around 65 games. They're not quite bad enough to be a 100-loss team, but they absolutely could be, but I just don't think that they will be. Um, I think they will finish last in the AL West for sure, and absolutely no chance for playoff advancement. The only way this team gets in the playoffs is if they do a 30-team Every single team makes the playoffs, but the Rangers are not going to be there. It's going to be a rough season for the Rangers. Joey Gallo is going to hit a lot of home runs, and those are going to be fun to watch. Leo Tavares' defense in center field will be fun to watch. And Isaiah Kainafalefa, who won a gold glove at third base last year, is now the starting shortstop, and his defense will also be quite fun to watch. So just a lot of young players to look for development. This is going to be a rough year wins-wise, but the Joey Gallo home runs will get us through this year, whether we like it or not. If you're looking for fantasy value on the Texas Rangers, take a look at first baseman Nate Lowe. Acquired from Tampa Bay, presumably with the idea of giving him regular bats, 25-year-old Lowe has hit 251 for his career, but he also has 11 home runs and 245 plate appearances. He could be an inexpensive source of power in a corner infield spot for your fantasy squad. On the other hand, maybe be cautious with designated hitter Chris Davis. Maybe he can turn back the clock to the days when he hit 40-plus home runs, which he did in three straight seasons from 2016 through 2018. But... Davis also hit just two home runs in 99 plate appearances last season while hitting 200. So it's not easy to be optimistic about his chances in 2021. Special thanks to Scott Cullen, the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, for his fantasy advice throughout the show. Bryce Paddock of Locked On Rangers, D.C. Lundberg of Locked On Mariners, Jason Burke of Locked On A's, Eric and H-Town of Lockdown Astros and Brett McGuire of Lockdown Angels. Thanks so much for contributing to the show. This has been Lockdown MLB for the 26th day of March 2021. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.